Excuse you, Gunner. Good. Good afternoon, Monster X Radio listeners. This is Gunnar Monson along with uh, Shane Corson. Welcome y'all to listening to Monster X Radio this afternoon. Um, And I want to take a second to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and uh, to my mom in particular. And uh, thanks, everybody, for taking time out of your Mother's Day to, to join us here. With me today is Mr. Shane Corson. Shane, how are you? Hey, Gunnar, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I am. I'm doing great. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, rain this week um, and some crazy weather. We even had thunder and lightning on the Oregon coast, which doesn't happen that often at all. But but we had it a couple different times this week. It was weird. So. Um, and it rained at times in buckets. But right now the sun is trying to poke out, so I'm actually over at, at Susan's mom's house for uh, Mother's Day. So uh, in that we're in uh, St. Helens, Oregon. So it's uh, it's uh, been a good day. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I yeah. spent the day uh, with the wifey and whatnot and uh, getting caught up on that. A little bit of uh, online research, uh, getting you know some things we've been working on. Are you still there? I am. I'm just sorry. Here's some background okay. feed, uh, something. But uh, yeah. Anyways, been working on some projects. Uh, you know, this past uh, the uh, Olympic project just had their uh, public exhibition. Um, Last week, and uh, yeah, Gunner still here in that. I'm not sure what it is. Hmm. I uh, anyways, the uh, public exhibition last weekend it was a great success. We had Dr. Jeff Meldrum um, in the house uh, giving a, a presentation on the uh, Patterson Gimlin film that was uh, thoroughly enjoyed by all, including myself. Uh, Cindy Cadell gave a presentation on the. Um, on Sasquatch and the, the possible human connection, um, and just uh, gave a lowdown on, on 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 primates in general, which was fascinating by itself. So kudos to her, great presentation. Uh, and Cindy Cadell is also, you know, a member of the Olympic Project. Uh, so overall, the project, uh, the expedition, excuse me, was fantastic. Uh, we had uh, we had about 20 individuals that, uh, from all around the country uh, arrive, and uh, I know they had a great time. That, that and they took something away from this particular expedition. Uh, I got a lot of time with Dr. Meldrum, who uh, was gracious uh, to uh, in his joining of the Olympic project. But he had motives for attending this particular expedition, and one of those yeah, what, was, uh, well, basically... Uh, yeah, it's exciting he, stuff. It is. It really is exciting. He, uh, he came along to give a, uh, a, 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 you know, a presentation and, and mingle with the, the attendees, but uh, that was the Thursday through the Sunday, and Sunday we headed uh, to a new location uh, and got boots on the ground. Come Monday morning, in our uh, nesting area, the purpose of Dr. Meldrum heading out with us to the nesting area was to obtain uh, samples uh, so they could be tested. Uh, and uh, so he got to witness the uh, the bedding areas. Um, and if you're not familiar, <clears throat> pardon me with the these nests, uh, we've talked about them previously on the show, something the Olympic Project has been working on for the past two years, uh, studying them and documenting them. Uh, they, were, they weren't discovered by the Olympic Project, but we were, uh, we were led to them um, by an outside source. And uh, <clears throat> pardon me. And uh, anyway, so we've been studying these, these nests because they don't seem to match any known type of animal. Um, we've had biologists look at them uh, and other scientists and, and those familiar with the uh, <clears throat> pardon me the, uh, the the area and what animals uh, are capable of doing uh, and these just don't fit in within that parameter uh, and so they're very fascinating all made out of huckleberry well they don't uh, they don't match yeah. any known animal in the Pacific Northwest but they do Definitely closely not. match an animal found in Africa which is <laughs> the gorilla correct yes yeah. So, <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, both in uh, there's just you know the comparison to gorilla nests is is uh, extraordinary uh, in in how closely they resemble uh, gorilla nests, uh, including uh, the makeup, um, 
there's you know there's a there's to this date I believe we found 21 uh, nests and uh, the original find oh, did have uh, scat and feces around them so it was very similar to uh, gorilla nests in that aspect as well uh, yeah so we had uh, we finally got Dr Melvin to join us after the expedition he came out and uh, we uh, we uh, got multiple samples both of we got multiple hair samples we got uh, sedimentary uh, soil samples uh, which he, he obtained um, got uh, even uh, we even took pie cuts pie shaped cuts out of the nest um, uh, for testing and analysis so uh, that he took along with him so um, from what I pulled uh, it uh, they won't be Looking at them for at least a month, uh, the individual that's going to be doing the sampling for us is busy for at least a month. So, pardon me, the um, results or preliminary results, will, we won't get anything back probably for a couple months, probably towards the end of summer. Uh, but I'm still excited that uh, finally we got, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Melvin out, you know, uh, someone that's highly respected uh, in the Bigfoot world and, and is a scientist. Uh, so, uh, uh, and he works with other scientists, so this is exciting for us. Uh, it's not just, a, and we are amateurs, uh, myself and our group, you know, one project, obviously. Um, but it's nice to get science involved and uh, and uh, get this this really, uh, you know, looked at a little more seriously. Well, one of the things that that uh, I have said is I, I, it's been two years that this has been an ongoing project, and and to me that that's. The approach that the Olympic project has taken with this find uh, uh, is is the right way to go about it. I mean, you you know, I've seen other uh, occasions where stuff comes out and and it's automatically labeled, "Hey, we found you know this is Bigfoot or that Bigfoot," and it and um, there's been some interesting uh, finds with. It. This discovery, you know, um, the there a couple of rocks were found that looked deep scored that were scored on on the sites were on the ground by a nest that sits out on on, uh, on the point of the ridge. So it uh, it sounds it, mm-hmm. it looks like something possibly uh, where it'd be a great vantage point, um, and just the way that. Uh, the location has been described. Can you describe like how difficult, I mean, what, what the ingress and egress, what is this such an ideal location for these nests? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, Dr. Meldrum was impressed. Uh, I, I'm, well, I'll tell you this. I'm impressed with Dr. Meldrum. Uh, we know him as a, uh, TV guy and a guy that, uh, is in, you know, being a professor is in the classroom in the lab. Yeah, the lab that guy is a heck. A, heck of a hiker i was uh this is not an easy place to get to by no means um it's very rugged uh and meldrum handled it very well i was impressed you know i, I hike a lot i do a lot of hiking and so does derek and, and and james Millen and some of the other guys we do a lot of hiking so it's it's not extremely difficult for us but uh i was impressed with uh dr meldrum uh you know handling this terrain uh he, so he kudos to him but yeah this area extremely rugged. It's very thick. It's steep in parts. You have uh, Devil's Club, which is a very nasty plant. You have, uh, you know, Solal, obviously, which is pretty thick and hard to get through, especially when it's knee-high and above. Uh, and then the Huckleberry. You know, you got the Huckleberry that is where these, these, these nests are built in between. But you're overlooking, you're on a finger ridge, and you're overlooking a, a uh, a creek or a river um, that gets a lot of salmon uh, certain times of the year in this area with the huckleberry gets tons of huckleberry. Uh, so the food sources are ridiculous uh, certain times of the year. But the, uh, the, the things that stand out in my head, why this area. Uh, I'm not, there you go. I've, I lost you for a second there. Oh, but I was going to say strategically speaking, this area is phenomenal because you're sitting on, on, on top of a finger coming off the mountain on a ridge. It's so, Coming uh, off top from the mountain down, it, you, you can't sneak into this area. There's you have there's times when you're falling over, you're crawling, you're stumbling. It's sick. It's just really a pain in the butt to get to. Um, so and then the escape routes uh, when you get up into this are 
perfect. I mean, if I was uh, somebody trying to hide or, or whatnot, you got multiple escape routes going down towards the creek. Uh, for a human, it'd be difficult, but uh, I would imagine a Sasquatch fairly simple or any other animal. So it's perfectly, uh, it's just a perfect spot, strategically speaking. It's very military-like in my my head, the way the nests are positioned. Um, you have those two rocks you mentioned earlier that were at the point nest. Uh, I thought that, you know, they had tour marks on them. They, you know, and they were only the only two um, loose rocks in that area, and they're, you know, softball size basically. They're a little bit smaller than softballs, but perfect for smacking together, and you could hear across the other ridge. Uh, you know, and this is all, high, you know, hypothetically speaking. Uh, I didn't see a Sasquatch pick up these rocks. I didn't see a Sasquatch make these nests. I'm what I've been looking at for two years is is, you know, if this is Sasquatch related, why and how? And it, right now, it's. Uh, not explainable, at least as a known animal, but like you mentioned earlier, they do look very similar to gorilla nests, and they're not weaved. The nests aren't weaved, but they are constructed. Uh, one of the things that Dr. Meldrum noticed that I had not noticed was that some of the, the uh, huckleberry sticks were placed at an angle, in in so they were pushed in to the uh, soil. Uh, so, and, and then of course the, the huckleberry would wrap around it, so to speak, uh, not, not we, but it was something intelligent. Uh, this was an intelligent, intelligently put together nest. Yeah. Intelligent design. I mean, it's not just, it, it's obviously not something that happened randomly. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of story about, quote, stick structures or occasionally people find above ground uh, could be a structure, could be you know something that happened, could be man-made for all. These are not in a location that I mean the probability of these nests being something that were man-made is is very low, just given the location and and the remoteness of. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. You know, it's one thing you can never rule out, but uh, I uh, in my head I've already ruled it out. I, I uh, in my head I cannot. 100% these are not man-made. Uh, the, the, the size of some of them, you've got some larger ones and you have some smaller ones. Um, what you look like you have there is a family unit. I mean, whatever was there uh, probably had some sort of family unit. And the, the some of that huckleberry, let me tell you, some of that huckleberry is an inch to two inch thick. Well, I can't snap it. Uh, and that's what, yeah, and that, marks on this that's stuff. That's one of the keys. Yeah. One of the key elements so, of that is how they're Candles, um, one of the heads of the element described the the conditions on that. Just basically, the entire ridge has all this huckleberry, and it, and it's it snapped off. I mean, as you could see, basically, and and that it was um, not something that um, it that, like you're describing an inch to two inches. That that stuff is not that easy to break, and uh, in fact. Um, I'd be hard pressed to break any of that that two inch thick stuff. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, and there's other limbs, other trees in this area that were snapped, um, weren't necessarily used for the uh, in the construction of the nest, but were snapped that were significantly larger than that. Uh, like I said, no teeth marks, snapped, uh, and you know made to uh, and brought back, and you know some cases just a right around the nest, snapped off made right there another spot, you know, where it was, it was snapped off and brought to the nest. So there was, there was, you know, with bears, there are bear beds in this area, not on this ridge, but there are bed, bear beds or bedding areas. We have discovered out there deer beds. I mean, what uh, deer usually, you know, they'll bed down. Uh, bear will, you know, will a lot of times, uh, you know, use a tree. They'll go up a tree and rake the bark off and make a bed that way, but they'll rake it off. You'll see claw marks, you'll see bits of crumbs on the ground. And they'll sometimes pull stuff in around them. This is not bear uh, behavior. It, it, it doesn't even resemble a bear bed. It resembles a gorilla nest. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I rule out human um, for multitude of reasons uh, based on the multiple ridges in the nest, um, the sizes, the construction, um, the time of year they were built. Uh, and, yeah, so uh, humans, and specifically in this area, no, but uh, something smart uh, built these. These were intelligently built and uh, profound, profound in many ways, uh, so much so that uh, when you hear Dr. Meldrum go, 
oh my gosh, you know, uh, that, that that's uh, that's coming from a scientist that's impressed. And he re- even said mentioned that uh, it resembled a gorilla nest. Uh, all the pictures and, and stuff that he's seen and studied, it resembled that. Uh, so he was he was taken back. At, at one point, he even mentioned it was uh, a little bit too much to um, take in, especially uh, when we got to one of the areas where there's multiple nests and and you're looking around at the the uh, decimation of the huckleberry, which is starting, which is growing back. So it's not as easy um, to find uh, now. Uh, but the uh, the huckleberry starting to grow back, which brings up all sorts of questions. Uh, some of the things we were talking about on the, the field, you know, was is this um, an area where they periodically come back, or they it's a you know a, a, you know they, these weren't built uh, for one night stay in my opinion. Not like which is contrary to gorillas. Gorillas will make a nest and, and use it one time and take off and that's it. These were constructed, I think, for um, a longer period of stay, a longer period of, of time there. And I think that has to do with the salmon run and the huckleberry. Uh, could be way wrong, uh, but these were just uh, to, to build them as big as they were built and the amount of work it would have taken didn't make sense to be a one-night thing. And if it was a one-night thing, I think we'd find these nests all the time everywhere. Uh, I think they're just that rare. Uh, so, um, yeah, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> well, so, I mean, one of the things is that uh, there was the initial site that had several nests there. How many are on the initial, um, the ridge line there? There's, what, was there seven or something on the Yeah, there's about seven. There were, uh, yeah. And, and, yeah, and, uh, there, you know, between five and seven uh, on the original one, there's a few that are, they look like they're they're yes, but it's kind of hard to uh, hard to uh, absolutely nail down. The others are very obvious, um, and then some of the other ridges have you know anywhere from five to seven. And then um, there is one ridge that has only one. It actually James Millian and I discovered this particular nest, and it's only the one on the ridge, and it happens to be the biggest, which of course brings up more questions. Uh, why is this big one down here? And how old is it compared to the other nests? Uh, you know, is this some sort of setup like this is the matriarch, this is the male, or, you know, hypothetically speaking, or was this, you know, what's going on here? Um, and we don't know. Uh, we all we can do is guess. Uh, just, you know. And, and for the record, I'll say this again. We're not saying these are Sasquatch beds or nests. We're just we're looking into the possibility based on uh, this area has had a huge amount uh, of history, to a huge amount of Sasquatch-related history to it both in sightings and in findings. So there's that to go off of. Um, you know, there has been, uh, in the general area, there has been uh, tracks found. Uh, there has been sightings, vocals, uh, you know, and so uh, given the nature of the area and everything else, you know, we are we are looking into the possibility, right? Uh, right now we don't know what made them, even though we've had hairs looked at and they come back, you know, they don't match any known animal. Uh, you know, so that we got that going for us as well. The construction, the the rocks, I find really interesting. Just the rocks and the score marks on them and the positioning of them. That to me is fascinating. You know, uh, I've always thought Sasquatch, uh, you know, used rocks um, or had the possibility of, of, of rock planting. And, and I think a lot of the uh, reported uh, tree knots are just rocks on a tree. I really, I, I also think they're uh, Sasquatch using its hands and its body uh, on itself. Uh, but definitely the rocks are compelling and um, make a lot of sense to me. Uh, don't you think so, Gunner? Uh, well, the way that it's described is, uh, and I've seen a map laid out of how, you know, the nests were placed. This, it sits out, like, mm. on the best um, observation point, it looks like. And, um, you know, what you talk about, there's a lot of reports of what people describe as clanking, um and uh, I, I don't, I am, and I agree. I don't see Bigfoot walking around with a stick, um, necessarily banging on trees. That, uh, mm-hmm. um, in fact, there was uh, someone I was talking to, and they described um, they they went out and and this, you know, if you're into Bigfoot research, or even if you're, you know, like the Bigfoot enthusiast, you want to hear what it what uh, a tr- pre knocks quote-unquote, sounds like, go out and, and test it and record it and see what, you know, go out and, and hit a tree with, with a piece of wood. I, I've done it enough times that most of uh, uh, 
even the limbs that I find that are sizable enough to make a, a big noise, it doesn't make the same sound as as what people describe as tree knocks. And I've heard um, I've heard something like that in in our research area out by Tillamook. Is but when I hit a, a a branch against a tree, it shatters basically, and and there's a lot more. It doesn't sound the same as as a tree knock, which has this weird kind of pop sound to it. Um, and we don't know. We you know we talk about well here's a, a seven, eight, nine, ten foot animal out there that what you know imagine what uh, the the noise that the, they can make with their body just proportion of how huge their hands are, you know, what their vocal uh, cavity, you know, what their volume for what they can of uh, or that they can hold in their lungs, you know, what they can do with their mouths. I mean, it's, yeah, there's, we don't know. It's all speculation. But yeah, this, yeah. this, uh, this area in, in, uh, at, at the very least, something unique has been found that's not that can't be attributed to known animal behavior at this point. So um, mm-hmm. I'm interested. So are are we not at liberty at this time to talk about who's doing the DNA testing? Um, I, I, you know, we'll probably talk about that on a later show. Um, I just okay. would hate to throw names out there and have this person contacted, and, and uh, they haven't even received right. samples yeah. yet, so they're probably in transit. Right. Uh, so, yeah, probably not a good idea right now, but down the road for sure, yeah. it's not going to be a big secret. So, uh, uh, right. you know, I mean, well, the only reason we're discussing this today, actually, I was uh, hoping to talk about this on a, on a future show, but our, our guest uh, has has not appeared. So um, I decided to take the show in this direction. <laughs> it, which ha- is like, it happens from time yeah. to time, yeah. It does. But I wanted but, to, you know, this was going to be for a future show, but I thought, well, you know, coming right off uh, being out there and with Dr. Meldrum, I thought, what a perfect opportunity discuss this. Uh, I know uh, there are a lot of people interested in this particular um, study this, this, uh, and this um, what the one project is working on. So, uh, um, yeah. Um, but I did want to go back to the rocks thing, the rocking world, because mm-hmm. those rocks, they do have score marks on them. Um, and uh, so they, they something had, at one point, uh, mass, mass those rocks together. They were on the one side. Um, and, you know, I always... Um, after after my encounter in 2011, years later, I, you know, I was really thinking about the the what I called wood knocks, what what transpired the two nights in a row. Um, you know, it was so loud and so powerful that uh, you felt them in your tent. Now, there's something for me was definitely hitting a tree. There was this wasn't mechanical. This wasn't coming from the body. This was this was something hitting a tree. Well, on the second night after you know, we, the the really powerful wood knock, wood knock sounds. Um, we had a rock come into camp, and you know, I never really, really thought about it until years later. Well, you know, after those knocks came the rock. Well, did it, you know, whatever was hitting this tree, and it could have been more than one of them, but whatever was hitting the tree, uh, you know, it makes sense that uh, I didn't hear limbs breaking off because it would have, as hard as this thing was smacking the tree. Uh, if it wasn't the rock hitting the tree, then I would assume it was. You know, maybe it's palm or it's hand. Uh, I did the experiment recently, and it, yeah, it hurt my hand. But you'd be surprised the sound you can make with your palm hitting a tree. Uh, it's pretty impressive, actually. But the rock thing, I definitely think uh, the, it was using a rock to hit the tree, and then threw the rock into camp. So uh, uh, the the limb thing, uh, not that it's not a possibility, and, and 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 may may happen, but it just makes more sense for the sounds to come from either the body of a Sasquatch or from a rock on a tree or a rock on a rock rather than a limb. Because in the Mountain National Forest, I know this because I tried starting a fire out there, uh, almost all the limbs on the ground are wet and nasty and soggy. And, and you know, uh, you'd have to break off a fresh limb. Um, and to hit a tree that loud and that powerful, uh, it's going to be um, pretty uh, pretty hard to do to find that perfect limb every time. And eventually you're going to break it. So uh, rocks just make well, more sense. And the what the tree knocks that I heard had had like a pop, you know. And when they and I'll use uh, what they do on fighting bigfoot. They they use bats. I mean, these are treated with super hard that that uh, make that kind of sound on a tree. It's it's not a limb that you find in the forest with, that's covered with you know bark and and uh, it just. Uh, I think your, I think your idea that a lot of times that's a rock hitting a tree and and really. It, it's just 
what kind of behavior. And these rocks that mm. were found there scored in, you know, and all to me, I always say that the, all evidence requires context. And a lot of what you're describing is, you know, has an area that has, uh, uh, is easy or to defend, um, you know, and, and nobody, I, I've heard nobody, you would not be able to get in there without something into that nesting area from the outside without uh, whatever, if something was in there being alerted to presence. So it's a really defensible position. And, yeah. Uh, and, perfect, perfect example. Perfect example of that real quick is when we were out there mm-hmm. last weekend or last Monday and um, pretty sure we had a bear um, below us. I heard a bark and uh, it, you heard something take off. It sounded like a bear. So pretty sure we had a bear below us. Heard it. Couldn't sneak up on that. Was, that was from below us. Um, we also, while we were studying, uh, taking samples, we had we did have something large approaching. Uh, Meldrum went to uh, view another nest just uh, maybe 20 feet away from us, maybe 15, 20 feet away from us. And Derek Randalls and James Miller and I were, were looking at another nest. We were uh, searching for hares. And James was alerted to something approaching us. Um, and Derek heard it, and then I heard it. And it was big. Where it was was approaching us. Uh, and it would, you know, was being fairly stealthy, but you could still hear it. Whatever it was trying to sneak in on from the top was uh, – was uh, even as stealthy as it was trying to be, uh, we still heard it coming. Um, never put eyes on it. Uh, I don't think they even knew we were wherever it was. They you know we were there. They heard Meldrum. Meldrum was being rather loud when he was walking through the uh, the Huckleberry. You hear him snap and stuff. And um, where it was could not sneak up on us. And uh, once uh, once we made ourselves known, it, whatever it was took off. Uh, never laid eyes on it. And no idea what it was. Probably a bear. Um, but. Uh, yeah, uh, or or an elk or something like that. But or sorry, not an elk, a, a deer. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I mean, it, nothing. It's it's nearly impossible to sneak up in this area, and I think that's exactly why uh, these nests or beds are in this area, is because it's very defensible, and you got multiple escape routes, and you you will be alerted. The tree cover. People have said, hey, uh, can you get a drone in there? Nope, not going to happen. It's just too thick. You can't fly a drone in there. You know, there is a tree nest we, we've yet to uh, uh, look into yet. It's it's just it's going to be uh, it's going to be uh, hard, well it's hard to get to. Uh, you can't get a, a drone in there to even look at it, and we're going to have to climb it. But this area you can't get a drone in. It's just too thick. Uh, we we contemplated that idea. It's just not going to happen. Um, but like I said very defensible. Uh, you can hide very easily in this area. You can disappear real quick if you're something's coming down. You can dive off the face of this thing and be gone in no time flat. Uh, you're not going to be found. Well, one of the interesting things is subsequent to the initial nesting site being found is that more nests have been this, this and not, I mean, in fairly close proximity to this original nesting site. So isolated incident. And, and I've heard other um stories of of nest like structures being found. Um, we had a guest a while back that talked about finding a nest uh in in association with a Bigfoot sighting. In, yeah, Scott in the same Scott city. Area. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, down in southern so, uh, well northern California. Right. So yeah, I mean it's and, uh, it's yeah. interesting. I mean and I believe uh, uh Cindy Dosen found a nest one time. She did on Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver Island. Uh, in the book, and I mentioned this before in the show, uh, Rainforest uh, Sasquatch. And he, there's a picture in there of a nest that was discovered in Alaska. It's very similar, very similar to what we were looking at. Um, but uh, if you want the the closest uh, image of what these nests look like, uh, just go look up for one. <laughs> You'll it is very similar. Well, that's uh, to and that that's what happened is that Derek. Initially, he and, and James Million went to the site with with some other folks that that knew about it, and um, he came, he went home and started looking for something that matched that, and and that's what he he found that was the matched it the most closely, and it matches it very closely. So it's it's weird. Do we have you know? I mean, it just and still even given the the context of this evidence. Um, the thing you have to respect about the, the approach of the Olympic projects, they not, are not going out and shouting, you know, oh, we found Bigfoot, you know, whatever. 
Bigfoot's birthing area or Bigfoot's, you know, bedroom. It's yeah. See, it's just it, a nice refreshing a, approach. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, nice refreshing. It's a it's it's a actual it's a scientific project. And now, um, a, a few weeks ago, we had a uh, uh, Todd Disatel, the guy, the scientist yeah. from New York University, that was talking about the new kind of um, DNA and that, uh, technology that it exists. And right. um, that's exciting. I mean, that that's pretty exciting. The st- what uh, where it's a lot easier to I, I refer to it as sifting, that you can take soil samples and basically sift them for the different uh, entities, the creatures or whatever that were in that soil sample. And uh, yes. that could be huge for Bigfoot research. Well, it, it not only could it be huge, but it's a must, because uh, what else are we looking at right now? I mean, you can look at hair, and you can get, you know, some, you can pull certain things out of that. You know, it's unknown. It, it matches primate blah, blah, blah. But to to find um, primate, I mean, the way that soil sample uh, works, you can you could, you know, it could be years and years and years and years later, and you can still figure out everything that had been in that spot. You know, no, well, like millions was, of years. Yeah, yeah, like millions yeah, yeah. of years. Well, they've, yeah, they've done that. They've done that. Yeah, in in, uh, in I mean, that's a recent article that was just published, and Dr. Melton and I discussed that. You know, he he made a little joke, but he's quite serious. He's like, you know, humans. Uh, and animals, you know, when we're walking around, we're we're giving off, you know, uh, we're like one giant um, flake. You know, we're giving off hair samples and, and, and skin samples everywhere. And it's like whatever is in here, uh, we'll be able be able to look at and figure out what's been there. And yes, we'll be able to determine if it's human or not. Blah, you know, because uh, obviously we've been in some of these areas. Um, we did test uh, nests that no one had really been around uh, to try and minimize the uh, the uh, amount of um, corruption that could be there present so but uh yeah the truly amazing uh direction uh, that science is taking in 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 the soil sampling and being able to figure out you know well raccoons can hear a bear i mean they can do that and it's amazing and it's uh that's where i see bigfoot research uh going i mean that's where we're going now with it um we're excited to have uh academia on board with this, uh, you know, looking at it, uh, it's by no means um, a cheap process. It's very expensive. Uh, and so it's, uh, we're, we're really eager to see uh, what uh, is found from these samples, uh, uh, you know, see what the future holds with this. Uh, but this is where, the, you know, Bigfoot uh, research is going, in my opinion. Um, you know, we don't have a body and we don't have bones. Well, what's the next best thing, you know, is, is you know, samples from a possible know Sasquatch nest uh, you know uh, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll get results um, is, hopefully the results are in our favor <laughs> well and what what could be interesting at, at uh, some point is that that I mean because as I understand it just like any other DNA sample you're going to come out with you know unknown an unknown and you can it be an unknown uh, and then another category could be unknown primate or or unknown canine or whatever you would get out of the right. sample. But if you, you collect enough samples of if they come back with the same uh, DNA signature from, you know, different locations where uh, eventually you, you may not know exactly what the, the animal is, but science then can't ignore the fact that there's a, uh, another unknown primate, say that's that's what it come back at, and now you you test, you test say you test the Olympic project this area the nesting site and then you somebody has another Bigfoot possible Bigfoot uh, area and one of the things that I I asked uh, Doctor Disadel when he was on the show was if okay say you somebody saw Bigfoot uh, and they know it was a Bigfoot and and they saw uh, it leave a footprint Did you get well that that's i guess you he, his response was you you couldn't get enough dna necessarily out of a single footprint you need an area that would have been frequented more than than uh than that to get sufficient amount of mm-hmm. dna i mean you're building a database that all of a sudden you're going to have these uh if you do it enough you're you're going to have uh you're going to come out with known animals you're going to come out with bear you know, possum, raccoon, 
turkey, elk and deer mm-hmm. and whatever else, fox. And then you're going to have this other animal biological entity in the, the, uh, the record. And now you have a, mm-hmm. now you have a scientific uh, documentation of something else. So if, and if it matches, you know, unknown primate, then, um, after a while, you, you, you're going to have to answer the question, okay, what we now know it is. We know that there is something. They could, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I guess, identify it as Bigfoot. But now you have a question, is, okay, what is leaving DNA samples all over the forest in areas where people uh, associate with Bigfoot or uh, Bigfoot activity? So, I mean, that to me is, you know, you get one sample, then two, then all of a sudden you have 20. There's a lot of things when... Um, I, I thought that if anybody had uh, access to existing, because I've heard, you know, there are DNA samples out there that come back as unknown primate. And I thought if anybody had access to Zoe, it would have been Dr. Disatel. And he mm-hmm. he uh, said he's never seen one of of something that, that is unknown primate. So um, if, you, mm-hmm. if somebody has those right now, where they are, the, the database is scattered. You know, there's no place that... Uh, seems to have them central. But I'm, I'm excited about this new technology that allows you to possibly identify um, an unknown primate that, you know, after a while you, you get enough matching ones. You got, you got something to take to science and say, hey, you know, we got 100 samples of the same genome, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and... You know, this, uh, if anybody's looking for instant gratification out of this, it's not going to happen. That the, uh, This is going to be, um, you know, whatever comes of it. I mean, it will be written up. Uh, it, you know, if anything, um, uh, if anything substantial is found from these samples, uh, it'll, it'll be passed on to uh, other scientists and their expertise. Uh, this will be, you know, uh, peer-reviewed and everything else. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but just saying it's not going to be, uh, you're not going to see uh, Bigfoot is real on Facebook or a big YouTube thing, but it's not going to happen. It's not how we work. Uh, it's not how it should be done. It needs to be thoroughly looked at by um, multiple people, you know, and you never know. You, know, you may not find anything, uh, you know, ta- you know, uh, when when they're done looking at it. I mean, we may not have anything from it. I, I, I expect to have something um, unique found. I personally do, and I could be wrong. Um, but I'm fairly optimistic that uh, we've got some really good samples and uh, that something uh, unique will be found from them. Uh, but, you know, once again, uh, I don't know, and I can't say that for sure, but it is exciting. And hopefully we can replicate this because, like you were just mentioning, Gunnar, you know, multiple samples would be fantastic. What we'd like to do is is find some more uh, nests of, uh, of like the ones we discovered or were led to uh, somewhere else. And we've got sites in mind right now that we are going to be actively looking at this year, uh, given um, we have a few patterns we think we've developed by looking at the area and the nests. And we've, we've uh, found a couple other uh, spot locations that kind of match all the key characteristics we, that we think we're looking for. And we're going to search those out. I think it'd be, um, I think it's important, very important. I think that you, uh, you find uh, another, uh, area that has these nests in them. Uh, there has to be more out there, I would assume. And, you know, then maybe we can get more samples. Maybe we'll find fresher ones. I don't know. Uh, but uh, one would assume that there would have to be more nests out there. Though I do think they're rare. I, I just do. Um, and I think I don't think that's rocket science. Uh, it needs to be more found. Um, and that's why I think, uh, like I was talking about earlier, that's why I think these were more of a long-term thing than a, a one-night sort of thing. You know, where we were talking days or weeks, I I think more like weeks. You know, um, but I, once again, it could be wrong. Just but giving the decimation of this area and, and the amount of work that went into building them and the uh, food sources available, you had no reason to leave. And I also uh, like to think that the possibility of this being a, almost like a nursery, almost like an area that'd be a great spot for uh, something to give birth or uh, have a little one for a few weeks. You can fill up real quick on uh, food. Uh, lots of protein. Um, you know, w- between the salmon and the, the huckleberry and all the other little uh, um, berries out there, uh, and not to mention 
and everything else in this area, it's a great spot. You you don't have to go anywhere. Um, you can just um, you know um, stock up and 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 lay low. Great location. So um, this area is being uh, monitored by uh, trail cam, isn't it? Uh, a few trail cameras, and um, it's uh, yeah, it is. We've gotten a lot of the known animals, but we really don't think much has been back to this area. Uh, I don't. It's either that was we use and that was in another question. Or, is. Yeah, well, seasonally, you know, one of the theories is that why would you come back to this area? The huckleberry is decimated. There's no uh, huckleberry, right? You're, you, there's no real point other than to conceal yourself or hide yourself. No real point to come back here unless the huckleberry is grown back. Um, yes, you got a salmon run uh, seasonally. Some years it's bigger, some years it's less. But uh, um, and, and you get you know steelhead and everything else. But huckleberry is growing back now. And it's growing back, you know, maybe it's a, a three-year cycle, possibly. Maybe it's a four-year cycle. Maybe they don't come back at all, uh, they or it or what. Um, but it would make sense that you'd want, because, uh, you know, as uh, from the first time we saw the nest, you know, they've, they've uh, depleted a little bit. You know, they, you know, you got tree fall, you know, deadfall that crushes them. You've got animals coming plucking them, you know, things passing through there. Eventually, at some point, you, these nests won't be there uh, unless they're fixed up or added to. Third day will disappear. Uh, they will be taken over by nature, just like the huckleberry snaps. All the snapped off places in this area, um, that you know, the, the huckleberry's grown back. So you know, you going into this area, you you, uh, you almost don't even see the breaks because it, the huckleberry's grown back. Um, you have to kind of look for it now. You know, so uh, what's going on? We are monitoring, and we'll be monitoring for several more years, and and we will see. I I don't think uh, the trail cams are very well placed. I don't think there's a deterrent. <laughs> we had uh, a couple of trail cameras in a lower uh, lower area, uh, kind of a, a game trail area, and Mama, Mama Bear and a couple of cubs toward us on them. So they, they, the only reason they uh, saw them <laughs> was because they, I think they heard the click, uh, the shutter. So uh, once that was discovered, it was, you know, chew, chew time. Um, we did have one trail camera, and it was probably a bear once again, not too far away from the nest that was um, – torn off a tree and thrown um, you know, several feet from where it was at. We don't really, uh, you, you, you see a, a hairy arm, and I say arm, could have been a paw. You just can't make it out. It's just not great detail. But it was it was ripped from the tree. We don't cable lock these. Um, and so it was ripped from the tree and, and, and tossed. Uh, we found it, uh, this this was several several months ago. We did find the trail camera, and we did see something hairy on her. But it was, you know, like I said, probably a bear. Uh, but uh, so the, the trail cam thing, you know, you never know what you get, you know, what you're going to get on there, and I think it's, it's a useful tool to utilize personally. So one of my other questions, and I think you answered it already, is in the two years since um, the Olympic project has been involved in this project, has, um, has there been any evidence of whatever meet these nests returning to the area? Well, um, so. We had some very interesting vocals uh, that have been um, heard in this in this general area, uh, and there has been, uh, like I said, there is there is reported supposed Sasquatch activity in some of the other areas in proximity to this area. Uh, there was um, a sighting of a can, uh, a can. Uh, well, uh, Derek Randall's and his wife were out in an area not too far from there. And they had uh, they had seen something. Um, well, what they had seen was a tree shaking back and forth, pretty substantial-sized tree. And when I say shaking, Derek described it as, you know, uh, like a whip. Tori saw it first, the tree, and, and so Derek grabbed his binoculars and didn't see me. But it was being whipped back and forth. And as they approached, what both Tori and Derek saw was something tan in color. And um, uh, that was about it, and they saw it take off, uh, thinking bear or something, you know. Uh, at first, they didn't know what the heck was shaking this tree. You know, obviously, it was they, – they eventually get up to this area, and the tree, you know, and I've seen this tree, and I've tried to shake it. I can't make – I can't – I can barely budge this thing. I can't make whip back and forth as they described it. Three men can't do that. Uh, and then it's been – we've tried. <laughs> Pardon me. What was, uh, what was found at the base of the tree was a flat area where something had been. 
Um, uh, Derek went, looked for it, never found it. But what the, the surprising thing was, when they got down there, they realized and how high this thing had to have been, or how tall this thing had to have been, uh, because it was, I believe Derek said it was, you know, the brush around there was about four feet, and this thing was a good, you know, four feet above that, if, you know, three to four feet roughly. And so when he stood in there, you know, you could see Derek's head and, and a little bit of his shoulders. So this thing was significantly bigger. Um, was that a Sasquatch? I don't know, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, you you got other reports. Um, there's other reports from loggers, recent reports, and not too far away, uh, from this area that they, you know, there's two different loggers that, uh, waiting for the, a gate to be opened, start their day early morning hours, uh, that did not know each other, both but both had a sighting, in the same area, um, weeks apart. Um, you know, so there's. There is uh, supposed Sasquatch sightings, and, and there's been some crazy localizations uh, recorded and heard in person in these areas. Uh, so over building those nests, I don't know. But, uh, you know, you got to start looking at the whole picture here. Um, and there's enough area, you know, you know, Washington's a big state, and the Olympics are huge. There's enough area in, the, in these, these parts that something wouldn't have to go back to this area for a long time. Uh, it's just, you know, th- these areas are huge. There's plant, plant, planted. There's an absolute, um, a ton of food in these areas. And if something is going to be feeding regularly, they're going to have to move around, you know, be a bit nomadic anyway, right? So uh, there's no reason that, uh, there's no reason right now for something to come back into this area. Maybe the surrounding areas, there's, like I said, tons of ungulates uh, and other uh, prey food um, and certain times of year. I mean, the the fish. And the berries are just uh, ridiculous. And, you know, other animals take advantage of it. Excuse me. Um, I would assume Sasquatch does too. Humans are the only uh, animal species that over uh, fish or overuse the land that they, that they need to survive on. Um, it's part of, you know, Mother Nature is those animals have a natural instinct for survival and for uh Preservation, basically, uh, conserv- they're natural conservationists. You know, they don't they don't decimate an area to the point that they they can't use it anymore. And one of the interesting things about uh, the what what we believe to be a Bigfoot out there that there's a uh, you got to think about what their dietary needs are, and you know uh, how much calories it's going to take to maintain. Uh, an animal that that is whatever seven to ten feet tall, you know whatever and uh, and massive uh, massive body size. It's that's got to take a lot of calories. So they, um, I, I and I don't know. You know we we talk about how intelligent. What level of intelligence are we talking about with with these animals, these creatures? Mm-hmm. You know, and how much are they aware of the damage that the the footprint uh, that they leave uh, in an area, you know, and maybe they mm-hmm. if they really don't want to be found, they're aware of, you know, we we move on yeah. and let the the force swallow up the evidence of our existence. Yeah, you know what? Let me I, I'll touch upon that real quick too. I I uh, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm on, I just I I I don't throw it out the window. Uh, years ago I did. You know, someone said, you know, to me, do you think Sasquatch covers up their tracks? You know. Um, and I thought, nah, they don't do that. That's silly. Um, and then I, I saw a report of chimpanzees, you know, that are hunted, uh, and I believe it was in Uganda. I could be wrong. But, were, you know, that were hunted regularly. Um, you know, well, they had to cross roads, you know, because there was a lot of, you know, dirt roads. And they were seen covering up their tracks. So do I think Sasquatch goes out of the way to cover their tracks up? I, I I don't know, but I don't throw it out the window. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. You know, it's a possibility. You know, it, it sounds kind of out there. Um, I don't. You know, chimpanzees do it, and I think Sasquatch is a lot smarter than a chimpanzee. Um, it's a possibility, um, but I do think they they uh, do go out of their way to avoid humans for the most part. Um, and uh, you know, speaking of calories, you know, if if you got an area with a lot of food and you don't have to buy the nest area, makes a lot of sense to me is you can pretty much lay in a nest and pluck huckleberry, go down to the creek and grab, you know, salmon galore and, and come back up and burn not, you know, not many calories. So, 
um, easy, easy there. But uh, yeah, so I mean the uh, the intelligence factor, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating all the little theories and ideas and hypotheses that we come up with. Um, obviously, not fact. Uh, we don't know. The only fact I know, the only thing I'm sure of is that Sasquatch exists. And after that, everything's really conjecture uh, on my part, and just uh, looking at the data as a whole, and uh, and um, whatnot. Uh, yeah. So um, I also wanted to note too, Gunner, what was uh, we we do a lot of promotion here for Squatch Metrics. Um, Squatch Metrics. He's on Facebook. You could uh, look up the site. Uh, is your go-to data source for Sasquatch-related stuff. Uh, I actually. Uh, uh, got to meet Mr. Squatch Metrics. Uh, he came up to the uh, Olympics, uh, up to our expedition, and I got uh, to hang out with him and, and talk with him in person, collaboration. Absolute pleasure meeting uh, meeting him. And uh, he's got great things coming down the pike here. Some amazing stuff going to be uh, data-wise. Uh, the numbers don't lie. This guy's super intelligent. It is also the where research, Bigfoot research is going uh, is, is through this data. And he's an absolute amazing resource to have. Um, I, was, I was very proud to meet him. Uh, I'm looking forward to some of the, he's uh, helping out uh, some data on, on the, the nesting area and other surrounding areas. Uh, but I highly recommend for those listening, uh, you find him on Facebook. Uh, he does not have a website yet. I keep encouraging him to do so, but he's just so busy. But he does have a Facebook website he does post, or a Facebook page he does post up to, Squatch Metrics. Um, that, uh, that if you're an enthusiast or a researcher or just interested, uh, Look at some of the, the, the stuff he puts up. It's it's uh, really interesting stuff. Um, and also uh, with that, we are the only project is talking around the idea of possibly uh, hosting another uh, public expedition. I believe we're we're tossing around the idea around July. We weren't going to do one, but we've had a lot of people approach us uh, interested in, in joining the Elon project on expedition. And so we're tossing around the idea of, of July sometime by mid-July, Cliff Bergman said he would join us. So uh, if we do do one of these, Cliff Bergman, uh, the show Finding Bigfoot, and of course, a good friend of ours, um, fantastic researcher, will be present. Um, and uh, we are tossing around ideas of, of possibly uh, bringing a portion of one of the, uh, since we're, they, we've already decimated one of the nests for, for sampling, we're, we're tossing around the idea of bringing back a portion of it so people can view it and maybe get an idea of what, what we're, we've been looking at and what they could be looking for. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that, uh, and we'll also do a presentation, a mini presentation on, on some of our findings and, and ideas on the next site. So we're tossing that right around that idea, um, but we haven't had a lot of interest, and so we will probably do that. And uh, Gunnar, I hope you can make it if that does come into fruition. I'm, uh, I hope to too. It's uh, my uh, life is in a little bit of flux now. I've owned a grocery <laughs> store for almost 19 years. Uh, it would be 19 years in August, and actually I, I'm uh, selling it uh, and uh, will be doing uh, the Sasquatch Coffee and Monster X basically full-time. So um, as I'm, I transition, I'm hoping to have more free time to get out into the woods. Um, I know that uh, there's some areas, forest research groups area, that I, I want to get out and check out because um, we've had, uh, you know, uh, interesting yeah. activity that we can't expl- easily explain. There's some areas that, like, uh, I'm lo- it's still applying. I'm, I, I want to go out and try and find them. Because I, I believe that if, if this is a behavior that, and it, let's say, let's just, let's just assume for fun that it was Bigfoot that, that made these nests. Right. That's a, that's a behavior that, that they do other places, and it's not an isolated incident. That And you would think that... Um, these animals would have to have some place to protect their young when they were, you know, when they're first born. Um, so mm-hmm. whether it be caves or, or nests or, and one of the things that really fascinates me about the, the area up in Washington is that, that this, this nest, what appears to be a nest. And there's definitely a structure because uh, James Million actually initially saw it on their first trip there. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh and you've seen it, and there's definitely something up in this tree. I, I mean, and I know you're chomping at the bit to get up there and see what's what. Uh, oh, yeah, what exactly yeah. it is, because it's it's uh, um, a, a cool idea to that maybe you know they it's a place that they put babies or whatever. I mean, we can speculate all day, 
Well, uh, once again, once again, if you look at gorilla nests, once again, um, a lot of times the infant, and sometimes the mother will be up in a tree, in a tree nest. Uh, it's just, for us, the tree nest, it's, it's a large platform-looking thing. It's, it's really odd. You can't rule out eagle, um, but given the area it's located, uh, it'd be very difficult for a large bird to get in and out of. Um, you, it's concealed. Uh, it's not on the very top of the tree. It's down lower. So from the sky, you, you, I would imagine you wouldn't be able to see this. Uh, actually, I'm almost positive you can't. Um, but uh, the limbs are big enough, probably not for an adult, but for um, a smaller size Sasquatch, I would imagine it would be perfect. And a good spot while mom and dad are down plucking uh, salmon, that, it, that an infant or a smaller one would be safe in the tree. Uh, but, you know, once again, no idea if it's related, no idea. Here's, here's what I know. Something made these nets. Something made them. Um, they're intelligently put together. Do, would I like it to be Sasquatch? Heck yeah. But can I prove that? No, not, not yet. But what we do know is that this is, these nets are undocumented. And what I mean by that is that this isn't behavior ever seen before in, in North America or anywhere, for that matter, than possibly gorillas' um, nests. Something made these nests. What made them, we don't know. But we do know that uh, this is, um, this. even if it wasn't Sasquatch that made these nests, it'd be an amazing find because nobody knows what made them and it's not been documented before. So that to me is, is amazing and really awesome to be, uh, it's really awesome for me to be involved with this sort of research, whether it's Bigfoot or not. I mean, I, I hope so, but uh, even, even if it's not, it's still an amazing find all into itself. Well, folks, that's, um, it, it was an uh, interesting discussion, Shane. I was, wasn't uh, what we had on the, the table today, but uh, you know that uh, I know, like you, I can talk about Bigfoot all day, and, and uh, it's it's fascinating what's going on with this area. I I for one appreciate the approach that's being taken, um, that it's not you know it's not an itch to scratch. It's it's a it's it's a project. It's a long it's a longer process than that. So um, kudos to the Olympic project for for. Um, taking the time to do things in the in the right way, and uh, for my co-host Shane Corson, uh, I want to thank you all for listening to Monster X. If uh, you haven't already, go to the new Monster X website www.monsterxradio.com and uh, join our community. We'll be back next weekend with another brand new episode of Monster X Radio. Till then, thank you everybody for listening, and have a great week.